We're pleased to announce the newly relaunched TheRinger.com this week. We're really excited for everyone to see the new site. Check out our latest articles, videos, and podcasts at TheRinger.com. Special thanks to Miller Lite, who have been with us since the beginning and have been fantastic partners to us. We're thrilled to have them as a relaunch sponsor for the site. Miller Lite, the official beer of The Ringer. Welcome to The Ringer NFL Show part of the ringer podcast network i'm robert mays and sitting way too close to me on the couch in my apartment is kevin clark kevin how are you i'm just fired up about the preseason i need human contact we are both in chicago illinois kevin is stopping over during we're using the same recording device same recorder time that's why we're next to each other i had to hide all the bodies that were here before kevin got here there's a lot of cleaning to do i mean it's just one of those things I just so the listener is aware of this, <laughs> I arrived here at Casa Maze, and he said, "Can you help me put what, what is the the cover on the upholstery?" I washed my cloth couch because sometimes you need to do that, right? I took it off and I couldn't get it back on the cushion because it's a two man job, and I really appreciate you helping me. That's do a that. big ask. I know. I'm I'd sorry. I've been here ten seconds. I brought you to a delicious lunch spot, though. I feel like that's pretty good. Next time I come here, you're going to ask me to help you move. <laughs> That's in play. I mean, there's. I won't tell you beforehand that I'm moving, but when you get here, I'll just drop it on you. All right, you fired up about preseason? I, I'm. You know what? The preseason is not my favorite, but every once in a while, you know, last year with Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson was this guy. You know, maybe Deshaun Watson is this year. There's one guy that just seems to put it together and like, okay, this is real. Like, this is a guy I'm going to want to watch. This is a guy that deserves to play. Yeah, so maybe. I'll be on the lookout for that. A lot of times, the guys who look vaguely decent in national games early are way overrated. Do you remember the, maybe it was against the Bears. Remember the little Bortles hype? Remember no, that? I do not remember that. I it, don't watch the existed. Bears in the preseason. It existed. It was like the Bears one, the one team I avoid. It was this one random Thursday night and he, he went, you know, like, I don't know, 10 of 15 or something. And it was like, well, you got to start Bortles. <laughs> we, all know how start that, we all know how that movie ends. Very well, actually. <laughs> Extremely well. Bortles is, is a future Hall of Famer. All right, guys. We're back to our 33 questions. We've done seven of our 33 so far. We're going to do three more. Again, we're going to be coming to you every Tuesday and Friday until the start of the season. We're going to have special guests on. We're going to take some questions from Twitter. And today, one of the we really wanted to dig down. You know, We wanted to have one specific topic because we're getting to that moment in the calendar where Everyone's doing their fantasy draft. I know mine's coming up in a couple of weeks. I've really started to pour over all of the resources. And that is why the subject of today's show is fantasy football. All of our questions are fantasy related. The questions we solicited from you guys are going to be fantasy related. So that's what we're chatting about, Kevin. Okay. So I'm not a diehard fantasy football guy. I play in some leagues and it's not a yearly ritual for me. But what I can say is I'm fairly good at identifying sleepers because even though, well, I mean, there are guys who are just fantasy geniuses. They're guys who just yeah. know exactly they and they're amazing. The game in relation Evan to fantasy Silva, football. All of those guys. Yeah. Those guys are geniuses. They would dominate me in a league. However, what I'll say is that if you're around camps enough and you're around NFL people enough, you start to realize situations. And fantasy football is so situational. Last year, I remember someone came up to me at the ringer office and said, give me a good sleeper. I said, Michael Thomas, only because you sort of understand the situation. We talk all the time about, you know, just the benefits of being around Drew Brees. And so, yeah, I mean, there there are guys like that. They exist and you know sort of where they're going to go and you know that they're going to get a thousand yards. Yeah. I mean, in terms of roster construction and things like that, you're probably not the greatest resource, but on individual players, which this podcast is going to be about, we're going to talk about individual guys, the situations they're in, whether they're going to 
outperform or underperform expectations that are pretty much conventional wisdom. They're going to be along with the average ADP in most cases, the way we think about these guys. So that's what the questions we're going to try to answer. Who's going to be better? Who's going to be worse than we expect? And the question we're going to start with is, who is the non-obvious guy that could win you your fantasy football league this year? So somebody that's going in the third, fourth, fifth round that has a chance to be among the best players at his position. And if you can grab this guy at a discount, you have a chance to have a huge advantage. This guy, for me, might be lower than the fourth, fifth Ooh, round. Okay. Your guys, I, one of your guys will be a fourth round pick. One of them will be, will be probably lower. But for me, if you want to talk about sleepers, and this guy is in a deep sleep right now, I, I kind of like Kenny Britt, man. That's not the worst call in the world. He is currently being the he's the 46th wide receiver coming off the board right now. 123rd overall, according to the ADP on fantasy pros. He is going one spot behind Adam Thielen and two spots behind Jamal Charles, who how many guys are ahead of Jamal Charles Charles in Kansas? I love in Denver. I love Jamal Charles. I just want everyone to know that when he said the fourth round pick, he was going off script. I thought this question was, we're just doing a sleeper. So let me explain the Kenny Britt thing. First of all, Cleveland's got really not a lot of options as far as, as far as offensive weapons go. Terrell Pryor was incredible in that offense last year. He's off to Washington, by the way. And this is really important. If throwing fourth round picks, get freaking Terrell Pryor because Terrell Pryor is going to be awesome in Washington with, with, with Kirk cousins. Having said that, both of those guys are going to be the focal point of an offense. I think the ball just has to go somewhere. I think the quarterback play is going to be a little better than, than anyone thinks. Uh, only it's only because, and here's the thing. I think people think the Browns are going to be the jets this year. And I don't necessarily know if that's the case. I that, think it's not the case at all. I think, I think Hugh Jackson is a really good offensive mind. I think they've got some talent. They rebuilt that offensive line. They're going to have time. I kind of like Kenny Britt had a thousand yards last year. He was targeted over a hundred times. Um, his catch rate was pretty good. I could just see a nice little season for him. This isn't the best way to go about it, but I do think one smart thing to look at when you're considering fantasy value is how much those teams value the players. Yep. And if you look at Kenny Britt's contract in relation to the guys he's being drafted around, they're not comp- they're not comparable. They're not comparable at all. Kenny Britt got seventeen million dollars guaranteed from the Browns. It's a four year, thirty two million dollar contract. They're going to use him. And it's not like Kenny Britt's 34. He's 28 years old. I think that's a really good call. I mean, he's not going to be a top five receiver. No. But if he finished as the 14th receiver in fantasy football this year, I wouldn't be surprised. I absolutely think he can be the number one guy. And, you know, Corey Coleman, we'll see what the target share is there. But the Browns paid Kenny Britt to be a focal point of their passing game. And with the infrastructure there, the offensive line, Hugh Jackson, I hope Deshaun Kaiser playing quarterback. You absolutely could see a scenario where Kenny Britt is a very useful fantasy player. Yeah. I mean, look, Coleman was really good last year at 400 yards, um, showed a lot of flashes. You've seen super some, talented. I mean, seen just some, crazy. You've talented. seen some really nice uh, training camp plays from him at this point. But especially if Kaiser's in there, Kaiser's going to need a security blanket. And and with the experience that Britt has, I just kind of like him as a uh, an every down target. I really like that one. For me, uh, two guys jump out, and this is, I always think about it this way. Yours, you went a little deeper. With me, it's what guy can I pick 15th at his position, 16th, 17th, 15th to 20, and have him be a top five guy? That's how I, I think you win fantasy leagues in a lot of ways. And there are two guys to me that jump out. Mike Gillisley is somebody we've talked about all the time. Think about how many touchdowns the Garrett Plus. This is the most a, Mike Gillisley, again, I can't stress this enough. Number fire said, he had the most efficient rushing season this century. 
that's pretty damn good. Now you're pairing him with Belichick. I'm in. The only re- and I want to be clear on this. The only reason I didn't pick Mike Gillisley is because I picked Mike Gillisley on in two, seventeen on other two other categories, <laughs> one of which got cut. Like that's how much I've been talking to Mike about Mike Gillisley. It doesn't make any sense to me where he's going. So according to Fantasy Pros rankings right now, or their ADP, he's the twenty fourth running back being taken, sixty first overall. He's in the yeah, rail. Yeah, you get a little worried about about the the playing time with Belichick. Well, Bell. that's the problem. They're so week to week there. That, that I totally understand that, but the guys he's going around and behind make no sense to me. Legarrette Blunt is right ahead of him right now. Amir Abdullah is right after him. Those guys are in the same spot. Legarrette, who knows what Legarrette Blunt's going to be in Philly? Amir Abdullah is going to seed car- carries and playing time to Theo Riddick. Yeah, Tevin Coleman is going two spots behind him. It's the same sort of deal. The upside with him for the touchdowns is so high that I just feel like he's worth a dice roll in that spot. I would hammer him if he was available in my league, which he probably won't because it's a keeper. The other guy that I would go with is currently going 51st overall, 21st among running backs, and it's Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is going to be the man. Dalvin Cook is 21st running back? 21st running back, and I think because people are worried about Murray. Everything you've heard about Dalvin Cook coming out of camp is that he's looked really good. And everything you've heard about Murray has been kind of the opposite. I was not surprised by that. Uh -uh. I like Dalvin Cook. I feel like he's going right behind Ty Montgomery. I don't want any part of that. Montgomery is not going to get the work in that offense. And you've heard that Jamal Lewis and him are splitting first team reps. I just think that if Cook can emerge and be the man in Minnesota, which I think he's going to be, I would much rather have him than Spencer Ware, CJ Anderson. Joe Mixon is going 11 spots ahead of him. That makes no sense to me. I totally agree with you. Um, I I love both of those guys, obviously. Um, You should do a pickup where you don't call Jamal Williams Jamal Lewis. Did I call him Jamal Lewis? If he's Jamal Lewis, man, he's going to be real good. <laughs> Ty Montgomery's got no chance. <laughs> Although Jamal Lewis now would uh, would not win a running back competition with Ty Montgomery at the, at this very moment. <laughs> that's probably true. All right, what's the next question? All right, let's switch gears a little bit. So that's a guy you want to chase, right? That's that category of player. Let's go the other way. Who is a guy that's being drafted in the first round? Big name, somebody most people are going to be after that you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Your fantasy draft this weekend, right? No, a couple weekends from now. Okay. Sunday of Labor Day weekend. Okay, gotcha. If I was drafting now, and even if I was drafting then, I would stay the hell away from Le'Veon Bell. Really? I don't know what's going He's not in camp. That matters. Do you think he's honestly going to miss time? No, I think th- camp matters no, for Le'Veon no. Bell. No, okay, there's a couple of things. Number one, when you start missing training camp practices, that really matters. And I'm not, listen... When he gets there, it's not like he's going to be backing somebody up or something. He's going to play. But I'm saying there's going to be a slow start. That's when you get into maybe a slower September. I, I, I've covered a lot of holdouts in my day, and, and I just hear about assistant coaches really talk about how there is a little bit of a learning curve. Is he working out? I'm sure he is. Is he in great shape? I'm sure he is. And there's a couple of things to worry about Bell. First of all, I think it's going to be kind of a weird locker room dynamic. I, I don't want to get into sort of hot take territory We've chatted here, about this. But... I, I I really think that when Le'Veon Bell comes back, Antonio Brown came out on Snapchat and basically said he needs to get to camp, which, you know, that's happened a couple times, maybe in the last decade. Remember that happened with uh, Brett Favre and Javon Walker? And it became a really big... <laughs> wow, I thought about that I, That was what time. I thought about, because it's very rare 
that one player says, get your butt in camp to another player when it's a contract issue. That's kind of a no-no in, in Yeah, you're not in supposed to work out other guys' money. Yeah. And so um, so not only do you have that, but then Brown's showing up in a Rolls Royce and stuff. I don't know. I just think when he gets back, there's going to be a certain amount of weirdness within that within that locker room. I, I, I don't know how much of a tangible impact that'll have, but it's just a point we've been making privately that I want to want to make on the pod. Um, I understand that. It's just, but when you look at the production, no, and when I you look do, at the I think usage, he's amazing. I just think that even if there's some weirdness there, even if there's some extracurricular stuff that we're not, that the fans don't really understand and are not giving enough credence, I still think he's just going to get so many touches and is so talented. That it won't matter. I'm not sure if he's the sure. safest running back, which we'll get into a little bit later from a question from a Twitter question that we got. But I, I just think that he's still somebody I would want even if well, it's at the first he's or definitely second pick not overall. the safest running back because he's played 16 games once in his four year. That's career. a big part of it, too, right? Is injuries. But I mean, you look at what happened last year, 75 catches in 12 games, 106 yards a game. When he gets the work, he's so, so good. I understand what you're saying, but I'd still like I'm him just at the saying top they're going to have to work him in. Listen, I'm, would I draft Le'Veon Bell really high? Hell yeah, I would. But what I'm saying is that I, I, you're, you're, if you have a top three pick, and we've been talking about top three picks all day, if you have a top three pick, I'd probably go elsewhere. I don't blame me for that. I, I just think that he's a guy, even if I have the third pick and say David Johnson and Zeke go one, two, I'd still like Le'Veon Bell at three. That's what I would say. Okay. My guy is somebody who I have loved watching play for a long time. I think he's excellent. But I just think that for right now, if you look at some of the the writing on the wall with the stats, how far he is into his career, I I don't want Jordy Nelson as the current price tag. And I love Jordy Nelson. I have for a long time. But I just think that if you're looking at where Jordy Nelson is going in drafts right now, you would have to take him 13th overall and 6th among wide receivers. That's in the same range as DeMarco Murray, Jordan Howard. He's going ahead of Michael Thomas. I understand that Jordy Nelson had an incredible fantasy season last year. But if you watch Jordy Nelson play, the burst is not the same. Yep. He's not the same player physically. And how can he be? He and I were talking last week when I was in Green Bay about how crazy it's, it is that it's been 10 years. I mean, he's been in the league for a decade. And maybe he was coming off the ACL. He was a little bit slower last year. But I still think that with the regression and touchdowns, it's pretty much inevitable. I would rather have younger, higher upside, more sudden athletes. He's going ahead of Dez, you know, T.Y. Hilton. I would just rather have those guys because I feel like they are further away from the cliff. Yeah, I mean, Hilton led the NFL in receiving, in receiving yards last year. Yards last year and His touchdowns aren't going to be there. That's the problem. With a guy like him, you're, you're looking at eight scores just because of the way he's used. And Nelson is such a red man, zone target for, 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 for Rodgers, but I still don't. I understand the Hilton thing only in the context of maybe Scott Tolzian is going to be thrown to him in September. Like If you're looking at the, the price tags for it right now, it would you have to take Jordy Nelson with your second round pick. You could get DeAndre Hopkins at the end of the third round. It's not even a conversation for me at those prices. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I tend to agree with you. I still think Nelson has a lot left in the tank. I think that he's you a know, good player when but I'm so in high. when I'm in Green Bay. There's a constant chatter about Aaron Rodgers trusting his receivers, and, and yeah. he and Brady are very similar in that regard. And they, they sort of make you earn their trust, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so when you have it, good things happen. And we've seen that over and over again, both in New England and Green Bay. Jordy Nelson has Aaron Rodgers' trust. He knows if he throws a 50-50-50 ball that Nelson's going to come down with it. He's going to take a little more chances going Nelson's way than he would with a younger receiver. 
Um, so I, I do think that there, he's still, he is a very beneficial fantasy player. I agree with you. Maybe he's not the top, top tier anymore, but you know, still three straight years of over, uh, 1250 yards, 14 touchdowns last year, almost career high. He's pretty good. Another guy, you know, it's not necessarily the same level. You don't have to get go as high to get him, but I'm a little more apprehensive as Brandon cooks. He's going 11th overall among receivers. For me, people worry about Gillisley and the timeshare. I'm worried about Cooks and the target share. I just feel like there's no way he gets enough balls to be somebody that's worth the 11th wide receiver spot. I, I totally think agree with the ball around way too much. You miss it, man. They have so many options and they have a running game that might be much improved. You just don't know what the Patriots offense is going to look like. And that's not just a yearly thing. That's not a, oh, let's wait till the third preseason game and see what it looks like. That's a weekly thing. They are so week to week there. And, and that's why I think fantasy owners get frustrated is that, you know, sometimes when, when they want to feature Chris Hogan, they'll feature Chris Hogan. And then when they say, ah, game plan is really call for Hogan. They're really taking away the, the, the slot stuff. And there's no more Chris Hogan. You can, you have to go the 21st overall pick to get, or excuse me, the 27th overall pick to get Brandon cooks. In this fantasy, on fantasy pros, yeah, you can get Julian Edelman thirty picks later. Wouldn't well, you rather do that? You're 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 literally describing the Patriots' salary cap philosophy. <laughs> you can get Julian Edelman thirty picks three rounds later. I'm doing that. There's no way I'm paying that much for Brandon Cooks. Cheaper guy. This is this is what's happening in free agency in two years. <laughs> All right. That's a couple of fantasy questions. We're going to hit more of those when we get back, including your ones from Twitter. We're also going to chat about who we think is going to be the MVP of the Red Zone channel this year, Hell which yeah. is fantasy relevant. But before that, let's take a quick break. Hey guys, make sure to watch The Ringer's new live reaction show, Talk the Thrones. Each week, Andy Greenwald, Mother of Dragons, Mallory Rubin, Chris Ryan, and our very own maester, Jason Concepcion, are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk the Thrones will stream exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends and can be found on The Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. They'll be reacting at the same time as you, contextualizing the events and explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk the Thrones and you can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 on our Twitter and Periscope at Ringer. All right, so we asked you guys on Twitter last night to toss us your fantasy questions. We got so many good ones that I didn't want to just take one or two, Kevin. I wanted to try to rip through these quickly, do a little speed round. Lightning round. couple minutes per question just because I wanted to chew on these. There's some really good ones. The first one comes from Single Pain of Justin, and he wants to know, who is the safest first round running back? And he says, barring fluke injuries, but I feel like fluke and guys that are injury prone are two different things. So I feel like we should take that into account, guys that are constantly nicked up when considering who the safest guy is. So who would you go with? There's a couple of different layers here because from production standpoint, it's Ezekiel Elliott. I think that... That's interesting. I would not say that. Well, I mean, th- there's a huge elephant in the room. It's that he might get suspended. No, it's not even season. from a, du- from no, a production no. standpoint. Right, right. So, so... That's that is sort of the looming issue with with Elliott. So I don't think he could be considered sort of a a sturdy pick with a top three pick. He, he's definitely a risk as far as that goes. Having said that, I don't think that the Cowboys offensive line is going to take as much of a fall as people think. I they still think they're a I don't know top three offensive line just because they have three really good players. I know you're not as high on Tyron Smith's back. As well, there's some people. stuff that I'm concerned about. I think continuity is important. We've discussed sure. this. We don't even know who the left guard is going to be, you know, whether it's going to be, uh, 
Jonathan Cooper yeah. or somebody else is working on there that I can't remember. Chaz and that's Green. kind of, no, it's not Chaz Green. It's someone else because Chaz Green's hurt. Yeah. So I, it's, I, I can't remember the name now. It honestly doesn't matter. I think that's kind of the point, right? <laughs> and then the fact that Tyron Smith is missing time. He's missing time yeah. with that back. He's a big man. The last thing in the world I want is Tyron Smith to be hurt. Like That is terrible to me. But yeah. it's still that thing where even if they're the third or fourth best offensive line in the league, that still is such a step down from being the clear-cut number one, no questions asked offensive line. Well, I agree with you, but I mean, there's still there's questions about Arizona. Who the hell knows what's going to happen with, with with the weapons around David Johnson? Is Carson Palmer going to go from having a down year to just falling off a cliff? I don't know. So there's not really this player. If, if Le'Veon Bell were in camp and none of this stuff was happening, it would be far and away Le'Veon Bell. But it's not. He's not in camp. I have no idea when he's coming. He seems very stubborn. You know, you start you hear sort of rumblings about the negotiation, and you get kind of worried that maybe this will go deeper than people think. Talking about a production standpoint being the safest, there's a reason that I would not say Zeke Elliott. If you look at the snaps that Le'Veon Bell got last year, it's remarkable. I'm looking at number fire right now is a very interesting chart from Scott Barrett, DFB on Twitter. Le'Veon Bell got 93% of the Steelers snaps last year at running back. The next highest guy is David Johnson at 79. He got 94% of the carries, 99% of the running back targets. They use him so much. And if you look at his production just game by game, for the last six weeks of the seven weeks of the season, last six weeks of the season last year, 146, 120, 118, 236, 93, 122. Playoffs, 167, 170. That's just on the ground. He had at least four catches in every single one of those games. I mean, it is, it's remarkable how he gets used in that offense. And I just think that they're going to use him so much when he's on the field that he's in that conversation just from a production standpoint. Again, but, you got to worry about, I mean, if, if he, if he shows up in what a week or two, then coaches start saying, maybe we give more work to this guy, this guy, maybe we James change Connor. the game plan a little yeah. bit, you know, but J- James Connor is, is obviously a rookie, but he's making waves. I think he's, he's, he's their number two running back for sure. A little banged up though. Yeah, yes, he has. He yeah. just he came back to practice, though. Yeah. I, I think that he's going to, you know, we'll see. Maybe they don't give him as much work this year, but they were not afraid to do it last year. And that's even when they had D'Angelo Williams, who did yeah. well when he got to play. I think the other stuff, though, is worth considering. David Johnson, to me, is right there just because he's going to get so many touches in that offense. And he's such a huge part of their passing game. When you look at Arizona, or excuse me, when you look at Pittsburgh, there are just so many other guys there they want to use consistently. Brown, Martavis Bryant's back. In Arizona, you have Fitz and then you have David Johnson, two guys they chuck it to. And I just feel like he's going to get so much work that for him and Bell, it's 1A, 1B to me. I'd put Zeke lower, looming suspension, offensive line fall off, things like that. I I just think that he's third in that hierarchy to me. I'm so upset about what happened to the Cardinals offense. I hope it's going to be okay this year. They were decent down the stretch last year. They They are so fun to watch. When it's all clicking, I, I hope they are. I mean, you know, we talked about the Cardinals last week as a bounce back team. I, I think that they can really, they're never going to be back to that 15 level just because the offensive line was better. You know, Palmer's two years younger, but I do. And Michael Floyd was an actual player. I think that they can be really scary though. Yeah, agree. So the next one we got is from Tyler Kuchera and he says, who's the best second tier running back to take? He said mid draft. I think second tier is higher than mid draft because the top tier is the first round guys you're we've been talking about a lot. Zeke, David Johnson. After that, I feel like the group gets really interesting because you can win or lose a draft based on this second round pick, third round pick running back. 
And there are some guys that are being drafted in those spots that I wouldn't necessarily love. So, Kevin, who would you say? It's interesting to me because I was just thinking about that. You know, teams win draft classes and win drafts by hitting on second and third round guys. And that's pretty much the case with fantasy football as well. Leonard Fournette for me. Interesting. Okay. There's a couple reasons. Number one, obviously, he was just supremely talented at LSU. The other thing is, I just don't see a lot of options for Jacksonville. I think they're just going to ride him. Um, that that regime, the Marone Coughlin regime, is going to have no problems giving him as many carries as possible. They're going to want to establish a sort of weird, vague toughness in Jacksonville that does not has not existed for a long time. So, I mean, Bortles is going to get benched at some point. And you're looking at Chad Henney just handing it off to, to Fournette over and over again. And so is Fournette going to be a franchise-changing star? Probably not. Is he going to get an absolute ton of yardage this year? Yeah, I think so, because of this. So there are a couple of guys that jump out to me. The Fournette is interesting. I feel like their offensive line worries me still. If they have no passing game whatsoever, you see what eventually happens to a running back. I mean, Todd Gurley's fell apart, and it was so sad to see. Yeah, but Todd Gurley in his rookie year was great. He was incredible, but you developed, they had an actual realistic NFL offense were part of that rookie year, though. I think that when you develop bad habits because they're loading boxes, everything else, it becomes problematic. Fournette is undeniably talented. I feel like it's a little rich at the 20th overall pick, the 10th running back for me. You look at who comes after him. You don't think him. Fournette's worth the 10th running back? No. I would put him right on the cusp of that. I, got, I would have to look at the rankings. It's a little I, rich for me I just because. I think he's right on the outside of, of the top So here's what me. I'm going to. The guys that come a little bit after him, I'd rather have. So Isaiah Crowell is going 14th among running backs, 30th overall. That offensive line we just talked about, they're going to be so good that I feel like he's somebody I would want 10 picks later than Fournette just because of the infrastructure that's going to be in place there. Another guy for me is Carlos Hyde. And I know that we had all this talk around the draft that do they like Carlos Hyde, You know, the rookie that they picked, is he going to be the guy that comes up and takes that spot? Everything we've heard out of 49ers camp is that Carlos Hyde is the man. And I just love the way that Kyle Shanahan creates opportunities for running backs. That offense is so conducive to backs. And I think that he really has a chance to pop. He is so good when he's healthy. And that's really the biggest question mark to me. But if I can get Carlos Hyde 35th overall, I would much rather have that than Jay Ajayi's 16th, than even Christian McCaffrey 32nd, Lamar Miller 26th. I th- those that's the price that I would like to pay for those guys. I'd rather wait around and get a guy like Hyder Crowell than get the guys that are being listed in that second tier right after the first round guys. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I just think that that there's just a big group of guys and there's not a huge difference between a lot of sort of 10 through 20 in my opinion. All right, let's get let's keep going with these. The Patton wants to know in an auction league which running backs not rookies would you pay market rate for four years? And essentially what he's asking is the guys that you think are going to be the, continue their level of production from right now for the next four years. So these are guys that you wouldn't want on the tail end of their prime. And I feel this is a really interesting question to ask at this point because most of the guys at the top of the draft are younger backs. There aren't any Adrian Petersons yeah. or even Marshawn Lynch's that are the, you know, the number one and number two guys anymore. These are dudes that are 25 years old. So <laughs> running backs age in a hurry, though, man. They they do. But if you think about it, Zeke, David Johnson, Jordan Howard, Le'Veon Bell, those would be my four. And they're all 24, 25. You're going to get all those guys before they hit 30. So I feel 
it's the same guys we're taking at the top of the draft. Those names aren't any different based on the way that position is currently. David Johnson, for me, you know, two years ago, I think everyone raised their eyebrows a little bit when Bruce Arian said that David Johnson was going to be the next Marshall Falk. That is such different body types, right? I mean, just well, I mean, a big man. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I think he was saying more. Just but that's as why far it's as, remarkable that he's a power runner that also catches. But the ball. just the fact that he was able to get 879 receiving yards last year. Yeah. I mean, we see God, these guys man. all the time. I mean, like guys like Theo Riddick who can catch the ball but aren't as talented at running the ball. I mean, David Johnson just has it all. He's the total package. He and Bell are far and away the best dual threats in the NFL. I mean, 2,100 yards from scrimmage is incredible. He's amazing. I love and it. The fact it I have him in my keeper league. It's the best thing about my life. He's gonna be. This is his age 26 season. I mean, he's just incredible. I, I, I would take him for the next two or three years. I think everybody else, Le'Veon Bell, love him, but Le'Veon Bell has two more NFL years on his body. Um, I would, I would take well, not full years because he yeah, hasn't played a ton well, that's, of games. That's, that's the other yeah. part of it. I there's mean, there's a reason yeah. on those tires. I mean, yeah, but that's because he keeps getting hurt. That's so, true. I mean, there's, there's two ways to look at that. So I, I, if I were to pick anybody for the next four years, it would be David Johnson. It's fascinating that you think back to the idea that the Cardinals didn't want David Johnson. They wanted Amir Abdullah. Yeah. And he got drafted by the Lions right ahead of them. Sometimes it's better to be lucky, man. I mean, it's it's amazing to consider that David Johnson might be on the Lions right now. Think about the Lions offense if David Johnson was there. All right, let's do one more. From Carter Wynn, which high caliber player is poised to take a big step back due to circumstances out of his control, a la Nuke Hopkins last year? You go first on this one. I'm going to go with LaShawn McCoy for a couple Ooh. different reasons. One, he was incredible last season. But if you look at the infrastructure of that offense, there's a reason they had the number one and number two backs by DVOA. Anthony Lynn is a fantastic designer and architect of a running game. He's now in LA with the Chargers. Yep. You also have the situation where LeSean McCoy gets hurt all the time. That's not in his control. He gets nicked up often in his career. He was healthy last season. Who knows whether he's going to be healthy this year for a full 16 games in the way that he's been. His talent is undeniable, but I just don't think the offense is nearly as conducive to running back success as it would have been a year ago. Also, he's 29. He's been elite for a long time. He's had a lot of carries. I feel like it's not as if there's going to be a smaller chance he gets hurt this year than there's been in previous years where he's actually gotten dinged up. That's interesting. You know, I think the number one candidate that jumps to my mind, we talked about him earlier, T.Y. Hilton is definitely not going to lead the NFL in receiving yards this year, yep. especially if Scott Tolzien, Scott freaking Tolzien, who I just saw some some tweets this morning from training camp. He can't even take a snap or something. I mean, I still worry a lot about Andrew Luck. I, I just don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back and, and when that's going to be because Chris Ballard keeps talking about how this is a long-term investment. And when you start talking about the long-term, that means the short-term isn't looking so good. And so I love T.Y. Hilton. I've covered him since he was in college. I read a profile of him when I was 20 years old um, and he was 18. And so um, I love the guy, but I just, I feel like this is, this is not going to be his year. And even more outside of the circumstances that he can control, T.Y. Hilton's gotten better every single year. Hell yeah. Marked way. I mean, he has got, he, the way he developed the other intermediate areas of his game last year was so impressive. And that's, it's understandable. I I think they are going to slow play luck and the loser in that situation is definitely is, is Hilton. Sure. Uh, a couple other guys. I mean, I, I, I worry a little bit. I can see the Travis Kelsey thing going two ways. Hmm. Well, you just don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Yeah. You, you know, I, I, did, I, I, we talked last week about Patrick Mahomes coming in mid-year. 
I think if there's, I think if that offense changes, then Kelsey might get mixed up. Now, the reason I said you can look at it two ways is that maybe he needs a security blanket and he just starts dumping it off to Kelsey all the time. A guy for me, there's no way I'm taking Marshawn Lynch 12th among running oh, backs. Oh, I mean, no way. I, I love Marshawn Lynch. I love Marshawn Lynch more than members of my family. He's a very important person to me. But why the heck in that offense, after a year off, would you take Marshawn Lynch ahead of a guy like Carlos Hyde it, for 25 picks later? It makes no Wait, sense to me. Are you joking me? Who's yeah. taking him 12th? That, this, this is, is ADP, crazy. man. I'm sitting here staring at it. That, 24th, the middle of the third round. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a little helpful hint. One spot ahead of Tom Brady. Let me give you a little, a little helpful guidance here. If someone retires, that, that means they were in bad shape, typically. You know, and, Not Jay Culler. He looks great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Jake had a torn labrum, and now, oh, yeah, he's going to save the Dolphins season. It, for, let's talk about it for two seconds. This is my favorite thing over the last week is everybody in Miami being like, oh, man, Jake Cutler looks good. He can really sling it. Yes, that was never in question. No one was ever worried about how Jake Cutler's arm. The man has a rocket attached to his shoulder. Let's play football and see how it goes. I've seen this movie eight times. I know how it ends. The thing I love is now it's the my movie is trotting out is Jay Cutler misunderstood. No, <laughs> no one, no one is more understood than Jay Cutler. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for your Twitter questions. We're going to be asking for those as we keep going through our main ones. We really appreciate the input. They were fantastic. Thank you so much. And we're going to get to our last question of the show. But before that, let's take a quick break. Hey guys, before we go on, I wanted to tell you about our newest podcast, Ringer FC. Each week, Chris Ryan, Rhino Hamlin, and Micah Peters, and various Ringer staff members will be discussing everything that happens around the world of soccer. From the Premier League to the MLS, let our soccer experts guide you along ahead of the 2018 FIFA World Cup. So make sure to subscribe and listen to Ringer FC wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so this one is a fun one for me. I did an awards kind of piece a couple of years ago, and I made this one up. And it's who's going to be the MVP of the Red Zone channel. And what I mean there is who are you going to be? Well, if you're at a bar on Sunday and you're watching games, who's going to be cutting in to your screen all the time because they're making big plays, they're scoring touchdowns, everything else. Casey, why don't you go first? I got two. All right. And they're very different. Well, they're very similar, but they're very different circumstances because one, everything has to break right. The one where everything doesn't have to break right is Christian McCaffrey. I, I saw his preseason debut this week, obviously. They were using him in exactly the spots I was hoping they would use him. There's been so much criticism of Mike Shula, but he is going to really work Christian McCaffrey everywhere. He's going to put him in the uh, the shotgun in the running game. He's going to split him out into the slot, split him out wide, whatever. It's going to be so exciting to see where he is in any given play. I think they want to go a little more no huddle. Um, the, the, the personnel they want to use, he's going to be perfect. And then you match him with C- Curtis Samuel. I mean, wow. I mean, that, that, that there's going to be so much flexibility in that offense that you're going to see a lot of cool things. Mm-hmm. Second thing for me, and this is a little more situational, but it's John Ross in Cincinnati. Okay. They love those run pass options in Cincinnati. Those are already exciting plays. They, they, they lend themselves sort of college style, wide open routes. John Ross is the fastest player basically in NFL history. And if he gets open, man, wow. I mean, there's going to be some awesome plays. I love John Ross. And I think that it's underrated that he's just a deep option. John Ross can just play receiver. I'm just worried about Dalton. I like Andy Dalton as a quarterback to a certain extent. I just feel that he is not the best deep ball thrower that you can imagine. 
And yeah, I think they'll be able to get Ross the ball in intermediate routes and he'll, he'll be able to, to run a little bit. With I, I just I, I hope that happens. I, I mean, I just think that he's such a talent and I just don't know if that team is the best fit for him. That's my only concern. Mike, yeah. or go ahead. No, I just think I, I think that the um, the offense is a little is designed a little better than maybe most people great, give it credit for. I, I think that even there were so many problems last year with the offensive line. I think the offensive line is going to be terrible this year again. But I think from purely connecting on some interesting pass plays, I think the Bengals are a uh, a top ten most interesting offense, not not top ten good offense certainly. One of my I have two guys as well. The first one is Martavis Bryant. I mean, if he's right physically. We've, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. I actually tweeted about it. Week 15 of the 2014 season is the last time the Steelers' big four guys, the, the Bs, Bryant, Ben, Brown, Bell, started and finished a game together. When Bell came back from his suspension two years ago, that was the game where Roethlisberger got hurt against the Rams. When Roethlisberger came back against the Bengals in week eight, that's the game where Bell tore his ACL. We've never seen this offense at full capacity. Yeah. The offensive line is the same. There's nothing different about it. And I just think that the amount of one-on-ones Martavis Bryant is going to get, he can tear people apart. And I would not be surprised if you're looking at you know four or five 50-yard touchdowns from him this year. Just because Ooh. the way they use him. Yeah. And the Roethlisberger has no qualms about chucking it. And replacing Martavis Bryant and replacing Sammy Coates with Martavis Bryant. Yes, please. Give me all of that. Sammy Coates, not good. <laughs> Sammy, Sammy Coates, Coates, even with the broken good. fingers, I understand that. But yeah, not Sammy's, it's not good, great. Sammy, um, I agree with you. He's back practicing. You know, he's not. He he he's obviously a couple steps beyond Le'Veon Bell because he missed a full season. But if they can get him for all sixteen games, if he's in good shape, if he, you know, I think that's that's an incredible tool to add to to a team last year that 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 could have made the Super Bowl. Another guy for me is Michael Thomas. Just because I think yep. that he's such a touchdown maker. You know, I know that touchdowns are opportunity based. He had 11 targets inside the 10 last year, caught seven. It's not the highest catch percentage, but Breeze looks at him down there. He was tied for second in the, tied for number two in the league in, in, inside the 10 touchdowns last year, just behind Jordy Nelson. I feel like he's going to be somebody that gets in the end zone a ton. And considering he's going to be the clear cut number one option in that offense this year, I feel he's going to get a lot of looks down there. I think totally I'm going to be great. looking up a lot and seeing cut-ins from Michael Thomas scoring touchdowns and considering he's the other centerpiece of my keeper league. That is going to make me very happy. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talk about this every episode. Drew Brees is just, is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, those are the guys. I just think that we're going to see them standing in the end zone alone pretty consistently this year. All right, bud. That's it. That's it. 10 questions down. We will be back Tuesday with another batch of those as we continue our 33 questions for the preseason. As always, we really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much for participating in this one with all the questions. It was so helpful, and uh, we'll be getting back to you guys later.